Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast where I will teach you everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men uh, from a man's point of view so that you could understand men and find love. Um, I want to dive in really quickly today and make the unpopular suggestion that you may be overestimating yourself when it comes to relationships and talk about the consequence of it. Now, listen, that's never a popular stance to suggest that um, you're overestimating yourself. Um, we all need to overestimate ourselves to some degree and carry ourselves with some sort of willful delusion. I, I do this as if I have, I'm, I have something important to say when the truth is anybody could do this. So we all need to uh, look at the glass half full when it comes to dating and relationships. But I think that there's a, a fine line between uh, uh, healthy self-esteem uh, and where that, that healthy self-esteem seems to slip and cause us to overestimate ourselves and be single. And, and I say this from a very personal place. Uh, I'll get into that uh, a little bit later. I want to begin first with the definition of a catch. What is a catch? Right. What do you consider a catch? What do, what do you think men consider a catch? Well, I've been at this game long enough to know that women, uh, in general, uh, value men who are tall. They value men who are financially successful. They value men who are educated. They value men who are charismatic. They value men who are fit. They value men who are funny. Um, am I any getting anywhere so far? And there's, a, I mean, there's plenty of other things to value. I mean, you could value someone because you share the same religious values. You could value someone because you both like skiing. You could, I mean, there's lots of reasons to be attractive to a partner and choose a partner. But usually, when we talk about the definition of a catch, you're going to go with tall, dark, handsome, funny, rich, whatever. And no one's arguing with with your perception of what a, what a catch is. Um, what's men's definition of a catch? <laughs> um, I think uh, you're gonna get, a, obviously, a very different story when you ask guys what a catch is to them. Uh, I think a lot of guys just kind of stay in the shallow end. Um, uh, young, thin, pretty is, is a catch. Um, I think men will value someone who's uh, fun and easygoing and nurturing and supportive. So that's what men value as a catch um, in general. And again, there's always exceptions, which is, you know, this is not to say that men don't value uh, intelligence or also value someone who likes skiing or someone who is financially independent and can bring a lot to the table there. So, so making broad generalizations about what men and women find to be a catch. The question is, do either of these definitions actually equal a catch. No, they do not. Right. Uh, and that's usually where this whole thing goes awry. Because there's nothing that says tall, dark, handsome, funny, rich makes for a better husband. In fact, may may even be work opposite. Right. And there's nothing to say that a woman who, who has some of the according qualities is necessarily a catch. Right. Um, young, thin, pretty. Uh, doesn't make you a good person. It doesn't make you a good partner. It just makes you young, thin, and pretty. And so, um, this is where we get into some 
tricky territory. It's where we misdiagnose who would be a great partner based on attraction. If you're attracted to tall, tall dark, handsome, rich, funny, and he's attracted to young, thin, pretty, and we continue to chase those things because, well, we can't help what we're attracted to, well, it explains a lot of why relationships are so tricky, why we, we dive into things based on attraction and discover that attraction is not necessarily enough to sustain things. So let's you know be, be really clear about that. Being hot in the eyes of the opposite sex, whatever hot means, gives you a lot of options for dating. That is true. But everybody knows the story. Every, every man has gone out with a woman who said, she's hot, but, right? Hot and crazy, hot and difficult, hot and critical, right? So hot, attractive to men will only get you so far, right? And, and I hope if you're a woman of self-esteem that just because a guy is cute, successful, and charismatic, but he treats you poorly and he's uh, verbally abusive and he's non-committal, that doesn't mean he's a good partner that you should stay with forever. So all of the folks who are our relationship nightmares, right? We're, we're talking on the same plane. I'm assuming you're a, a good person who's mentally stable and has a lot to offer as a partner. If you've ever dated a nightmare partner, you were probably really attracted to that person, right? And that person probably thinks that they're a good catch, right? And from the eyes of others, they may, they may be a good catch in that they could always find someone else to seduce. But that doesn't mean you actually want to catch them, right? right? Be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. You don't always want the person that you value the most. The six-foot guy is not necessarily a better boyfriend than the five-seven guy, right? And the multi-millionaire is not necessarily a better boyfriend than the guy who makes sixty grand a year. Right? He, he's just more attractive. He might just have more. Right? So, ultimately, we want people to stick around. We want people to want to be with us. We want to be good relationship partners. And being a good relationship partner is not based on any of the, for, mo for the most part, any of the qualities that you seem to value the most in men. Um, the best relationship partners are the ones who make you feel safe, heard, and understood. The ones who are sensitive to your emotional needs. The ones who help, help out with the housework and child rearing. I'm pretty sure you've never looked at a Tinder profile and said, <laughs> I bet this guy helps out with the housework and child rearing. I bet he's really sensitive to my emotional needs. Now you see someone who's cute, you swipe right, and, and there you are, right? We're chasing attraction. So, when we talk about overestimating yourself, this is not to say that there's not value to being having a PhD or having a second home in Aspen. There's value, but it's not relationship value. Right? And when we conflate those two things, I'm an impressive person for I'm a good partner, uh, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. We're not looking at reality because there's tons of people who are attractive who are terrible partners. Um, this isn't necessarily the way I wanted to pivot. Um, but it's, it's, it's an example. Eight, nine years ago, um, I was uh, out watching Lori Gottlieb speak. Lori Gottlieb is a, is a friend of mine. She wrote the book, uh, Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. Very bright, very talented, and a very old friend of mine. I've known her for 15 years. Um, and I was watching her speak that night, and she, I, I introduced her to my new fiance. And then... 
she wrote her big book. Um, I helped her, coached, coached her while writing that big book. And I read what she wrote about that night in her book. I should have brought the book. I, maybe I'll do that another time. And she described the night that she met my fiance. And let's just say she was thoroughly underwhelmed at the way she described her. She was average. She wasn't especially pretty or especially smart, or especially accomplished or especially funny. And it got into her head. Why would a guy that I value, right? And again, this is not to pat myself on the back, but she thinks I'm an impressive, worthy person because of my educational background and my accomplishments. Why would a guy like that choose a woman like that? And that's when it sort of hit her like a ton of bricks. If guys like that are choosing women like that, not just based on their credentials, but rather how they feel in their presence, there's a big honking blind spot that I'm missing. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you how certainly I'm not immune to the same uh, impressiveness syndrome. And I'm going to tell you what you can do if you're a smart, strong, successful woman who um, is struggling in relationships with men. I'm going to tell you exactly what you can do to find the love that you deserve. This is the Love You Podcast. I'm Evan Marcast. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Love You Podcast. My name is Evan Marcast, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper on the subject about whether you overestimate yourself when it comes to dating and relationships. Uh, and I'm going to do so by way of a few personal stories. Um, I think they're relevant. I hope they're relevant. Uh, and I hope you could realize this is something that everybody uh, does contend with. Uh, the first time I realized that I couldn't date anybody, uh, or everybody is more like it, not anybody, everybody, uh, I always believed that I could date whoever I wanted to. And I remember one time in my late 20s, I was a struggling screenwriter. Um, when I was out to drinks with a friend of mine, uh, very bright, went to Harvard, uh, she, but she was just a friend. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a crush on her, but she was the type of person that uh, I was uh, attracted to and, you know, would want to, to be with. And um, we were having drinks and she said, I am never going out with another writer again. As a writer, I took that very personally. She didn't mean it personally. She was giving her feelings about how she wanted to pursue her love life. I'm never going out with another writer again. They're so uh, intense and narcissistic and, um, and moody and, and financially unstable. And I just need a guy who's normal and has his act together. And, you know, out here you have all these struggling writers and all these writers who are really successful and too big for their britches. I just need a normal guy. And I remember it, 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 it was like I was getting stabbed in the heart or punched in the stomach or something like that. Because basically she was saying, I, and therefore other people like me, will never date someone like you. And I didn't like being told that. I didn't like having that restriction. The problem is she was right. I, I was moody and financially unstable and difficult and depressed and all of the other reasons that it's no fun to date a struggling writer. Um, and so the truth hurt. 
uh, I thought that I could sort of coast by on on charm, uh, but that'll only get you so far with someone who is sane and stable and wants to have a happy life. I mean, it's hard to have a happy life with someone who has has all the problems that yeah. many typical writers have. Now, there's exceptions to every rule. I don't need to go through all the exceptions, but I remember thinking, how could you not want me? How am I not good enough for you? And then I saw it from her point of view, and she was absolutely right. I wasn't good enough for what she wanted. And so I proceeded with my arrogant way of dating, and arrogance not necessarily the right word. Arrogant implies that you're looking down on people. I didn't look down on people. I just, I carried myself with a lot of confidence when I was single. Um, when I went online, I assumed that if I wrote to someone that they were going to write back, even if it wasn't true, I went in with the, the belief that I, that I could. And so I went on fabled number 300 dates over the course of 10 years and um, got second dates most of the time. Uh, but there were, again, if I went on 300 dates, there were 50 times out of 300 dates where I didn't have the option of, of coming back for more. So I might have rejected more women, but maybe like you, I was always more focused on the women who rejected me than the ones who accepted me. We, we all, this is the, the, the definition of dating. All the people I want don't want me in return. All the people who want me, I don't want. Right? And so over the course of these years, I, I had you know, a number of short-term girlfriends. I fell in love a couple of times. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm, I was 34. I had this long storied career um, writing, uh, coaching, writing articles for Match.com's Happen, Ma Happen Magazine. Um, and I remember writing one called uh, Last Single Guy Standing. And that's, that's the way I felt, right? I was like, I was soon to be the old guy in the club, the guy who couldn't put it together, the guy who thought he was so great that he was left standing alone because nobody was good enough for him, uh, except for the people, of course, who, who dumped me. And it took me a while to get some, some clarity on that. Just that idea that I was holding on to the idea of the women who dumped me. What I didn't always do was think, would I actually want to keep them? Right? The people who dumped me, I might have been the most attracted to or the most excited by right? because they were uh, intelligent um, and successful and funny and I was attracted to that personality, but they weren't always sensitive to my needs. Uh, they weren't always sympathetic. They were sometimes uh, 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 too, not too challenging, but too critical um, and weren't always warm and ingratiating and supportive and didn't always have a great sex life. And so there were a whole bunch of things I, I, I remember sweeping under the rug I realized later with all the women that I, that I was in love with who dumped me, it was ultimately something that I chose not to pay attention to. I bet if you look back on your previous relationships, you'd say the same thing. And then I met my wife. And um, uh, I told you about when Lori Gottlieb met her. Um, she wasn't impressed. And yet, and, and I wasn't impressed either, right? Impressed is the wrong word. I never felt better with someone than I did with my wife. I never felt like a better version of me than I did when I was with my wife. So 
it didn't matter if she didn't go to Stanford and she wasn't on track to be the partner at a law firm. Um, my wife was nicer and more patient and more diplomatic and more people smart than anybody I'd ever met. Uh, on top of that, she was the only person who ever put up with me. That's where it really gets interesting. is because for all of my confidence, um, at the end of the day, I had the same insecurities as anybody else. See, it didn't matter if my wife's resume was average. She is extraordinary. And anybody who gets to know her realizes that she's extraordinary in that everybody likes her. Um, she's just great with people. And she's the only person I'd ever met who didn't constantly remind me how much I needed to change. Uh, that was a, a value that I didn't even know I had when I was dating. I just want someone to accept me the way I was. Uh, because while I'm flawed, like we're all flawed, um, I didn't want to spend my life walking on eggshells and wondering what was wrong with me and apologizing and walking things back. So dating is humbling for everybody. <laughs> but done right, it's a window into your soul. It's a really great opportunity for you to temper your own ego, right? Based on reality. Reality is how people respond to you. Do people respond to you when you write to them online? Do people respond to you on a first date? Do people want to get into a relationship? Do people want to stay in a relationship with you? And if not, why? It's not simply blaming the other person, even though the other person is probably flawed. But I always thought I deserved someone who was just like me. And uh, as a coach for women, that's a phrase I've heard a lot. Here's what I deserve. I'm not settling. Settling is not going out with a guy who makes less money than you. Settling is not going out with a guy who's a little shorter than the guy that you think is the optimal guy. Settling is being in a relationship with someone who doesn't get you, doesn't listen to you, doesn't take care of you, doesn't stand by you. That's settling. So by choosing someone like my wife over the Lori Gottliebs of the world. And again, I'm not trying to throw Lori under the bus. She's a smart, strong, successful woman. She's a friend, but she's also uh, close to 50 and still single, right? by way of example. Um, love is about tolerance for each other's differences and flaws. And having the ability to work together as a team to get past all the little bumps in the road when two people with opinions um, build a life together. The beauty of my relationship and happy relationships, I'm, you know, I'm just one guy, um, but I'd like to think that I have the kind of relationship that most people want. It's a fun, easy, supportive uh, relationship that I, I never doubt we're, that we're going to be together forever until one of us passes. That's, to me, the, the highest state of being that you can, you can have, is to have one person in your corner. And if you're looking for someone who's just like you, but without your flaws, you're going to spend a really long time looking. Right, so this is what I mean by overestimating oneself. It's not that you're not a great catch per se, but you're not a great catch because you're pretty and you're not a great catch because you're educated and you're not a great catch because you have money. Right? People are great catches because they're good relationship partners, men and women alike. Right, that's not gender specific. So once you start to realize what makes you a good partner, what really makes you a great catch is how well do I get along with others? How well do I compromise? 
right? How warm and accepting and tolerant am I? How much am I really bringing to the table as a relationship partner? Because looks and money really only go so far. Um, you want to start with someone like I did, who ignores your flaws, sees you at your best, and tolerates you at your worst, and stands by you no matter what. You have that, you can have everything you've ever been looking for and more. And so I want you to realize that there's nothing, no one's telling you to settle. Um, I'm telling you to sort of pivot on what you're valuing and how you value yourself. Your guy could be a 10 on paper, but if your relationship is a three, it's not much of a relationship. Contrast that with someone who might be a seven, forgive the crude numerical terms, but you find someone who's a seven on paper, but your relationship is a 10, now you're getting somewhere. So I really encourage you to um, choose that, that, that person who makes you feel like the best version of you and realize that someone has to make compromises in order to be, to be with you. And when they ignore your flaws consistently, like my wife ignores mine, that's someone that you're really going to want to hold on to for the rest of your life. So thank you for joining me with the Love You Podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, we're going to talk about whether dating is in fact a skill. I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And make sure you go to Evan Mark Katz. Give me your name and email address and I will send you free dating and relationship advice for as long as you live. That's how much stuff I have to say. So thanks for being here. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week.